Welcome to Neuromovement Revolution with Anat Benyel, where you will discover breakthrough possibilities for your life through the brain's power to change. We're so happy that you can join us in making the impossible possible. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to be here again for this is episode seven of wow. our podcast, which means we've been going like nearly, nearly four months, once every two weeks. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yeah. So um, the topic, I'm going to introduce the topic for the, this podcast, but actually we're going to start doing things slightly differently from now on. We're going to split the podcast into two halves. So and this is going to be the first one where we sort of address two different topics in the same podcast. So um, the first topic for this week is it's the second essential slow, the second essential for positive brain change. And, you know, the, the subtitle for it is fast. We can only do what we already know. So, hi, Neil. Nice <laughs> to see you. Good. Okay. So, um, just to do a very brief review, which I think I'll probably do with each essential, is that we are uh, working with ABM, with Neuro Movement, we are process-based in the sense that we're looking to create conditions uh, that uh, wake up the brain and encourage the brain, facilitate for the brain to do its own job better. And the job of the brain, as I, we've said before in previous and explained in previous podcasts, <clears throat> excuse me, is to put order in the disorder and make sense out of the nonsense. So what we mean by that, if I want to touch my nose, it's a very, very complex a, a movement that takes time for a child to be able to get to, to do. And I go to my nose, I touch my nose. Or to formulate the whole idea of the slow essential is a great imposition of order over, uh, a, in this case, my reality a, 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 in terms of co- co- concept and then imposing how I do. I go slower, I go faster, I have the distinction. So the job of the brain is to put order in the disorder and make sense out of the nonsense. It's easy to say. It's a very, very complex process. And the other point that we've discussed before is the brain is not a mechanical uh, um, system. It's an information system. So if we want to help the brain, support the brain, improve the brain's ability to do its own job, to put order in the disorder and make sense out of the nonsense, then we have to think of it and relate to it as an information system and not a mechanical system. And, uh, and then the question comes, what's the source of information for the brain? And the source of information for the brain is fundamentally the perception of a difference. Until, unless we perceive a difference between thing one and thing two, between louder and softer, faster and slower, harder, gentler. If we don't perceive differences, they just don't exist. There's zero information. So this essential slow is another way to really promote the brain's ability to perceive differences. And it's a, it's a very interesting, I think, wonderful essential to, to start uh, 
experimenting with for you guys and for anybody um, uh, because it's kind of pretty straightforward. Now, you, if those of you have already know about it and have tried it, you might find that it's not necessarily that easy. Uh, when, when you look at a child that just starts learning to walk, they can't walk slow. There's no way they could walk slow. Like if you look at meditators that just walk like this really, really slow, a, a, little, a little toddler that starts walking, they tumble forward. They don't have enough control, and the control comes from underlying neural connections and neural networks that allow this very co- a, a, a skilled way of doing something slowly. So slow gets the brain's attention. A, a slow gives an opportunity to do something in a new, something in a way that wasn't done before. Slow promotes very, very intense, rapid uh, formation of uh, connections uh, in the brain. And it's really the, the intelligent way to go about learning is to slow down. Once we know to do something, we repeat it, we groove it in, it goes to a different areas in the brain, and then we can do it fast. And being able to do things fast is important after we master the skill. And every time we want to improve a skill, then we slow down. Working with musicians, I've done it a lot. World-class musicians that can play better, faster than anybody else. When they had issues, one of the things I would always do with them is slow them down. So uh, do we have any questions or comments from the audience already? Not yet, but one thing um, I thought we could actually do is ask them, you know, the last essential that we talked about was movement with attention. And I wondered if any of them had actually been trying that because as oh, you were talking right. about, you know, just now, I mean, slowing down is a way to actually help you improve any skill. Yes. So it'd be interesting to hear what their experience with movement with attention was and whether slow could actually be relevant to helping with them with that. Okay. Well, we'll wait to see if anybody types in. I will thank you, Neil, for basically reminding me that I wanted to know how it was for them to work with movement with attention. Yeah. And actually, just as I was saying that, a, a question has come in. Um, I'm wondering how you use slow over time, just not in the moment. I'm remembering the comment about trainees having trouble not pushing clients to an obvious next step. So, again, that's, I, I don't understand the question. I think, um, as I understand it, I'm, under, I'm wondering how you use slow over time, just not in the moment. I mean, really, we're talking mean? about flexible goals. No, no, no. I mean, you cannot use slow except in the moment. The only time you can be slow is when you're slow. So but you understand. can slow a process down. Oh, so is and that so what she's you saying mean? she said, "I'm remembering the comment about trainees having trouble not trying to get clients to oh, the okay. obvious next step." Well, oh, okay, so this well, well, slow down. I'm slowing down. Thank you. So <laughs> a demonstration here. <laughs> By the way, me stopping and asking a question and then insisting to clarify. So I have the experience that in myself that it makes sense to me is an example of slowing down. And if you think of being with a child, so, so often in regular schools, and you need to remember that, you need to take a note, somebody, uh, the, 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 that, that we tell the child something or we show something or we teach something, and then we keep going. 
and there is the, the, we, it's too fast. So that sort of answers that. But and I understand. I'll go to get to the question in a moment. But it's like slow yourself down, make space, make room for the back and forth. Get interested in what the brain of the person you are trying to impact is making. What sense, if any, they're making of what you're doing, saying, you know, moving them or whatever it is they do. What sense are they making? And that, by the way, will lead you right away to the very first topic, which is our second topic of our, our podcast, which is from fixing to connecting. You connect to the person. You know, teaching is not like, you know, just pouring out your knowledge or your ideas or your imposition of movement on another human being. Always the bottom line is, what are they doing with what you are giving or with what what in, input comes from you? And so that's slowing down right there and then. When we talk about the process, and I hear right there, the obvious next step, there isn't an obvious next step. That the, There is an obvious, perhaps, uh, if you're talking about obvious desired next outcome, but we need to make a distinction. We are going, now we're going to start working more and more of learning to think and really perceive finer and finer differences in our own ideas. So, and I don't know, what's the name of the person that you read? Uh, Anna Maria. Anna Maria. I don't know if that's what you meant. I am making the sense of what I heard two or three times from you, uh, that what you, what you, perhaps meant was the obvious next outcome that you want to see in your child. That's not the obvious next step. This is a big part of our work. The obvious next step is dictated by where the child, where the child is. And then we do something with the child and they shift to wherever they shift. And that's the platform. That's the location from which we're going to now interact with a child and allow the brain to differentiate and upgrade the quality with which it organizes itself and 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 does the next thing so next question well a couple of comments as well as questions this is from kavita in the uk hello uh, slow was the first essential from your book i tried with my little one to get him tracking with his eyes I used a liquid timer with slow dropping bubbles, which worked as he began to follow these bubbles. I later moved this toy from left to right. He tracked side to side. A huge thank you. Oh, thank you for being so using this so intelligently. And I would guess that once he stayed in the slow for a little while, he then could also do more of it in more variations and faster. I, I mean, slow is such a... It's, I'm going to say it in a funny way. It's a cheap, it's a cheap essential. You get so, so much out. You get, it's like it's a buffet, all you can eat buffet. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's like, I remember I tell a brief story. I, it's a child uh, that I worked with for quite a few years in the past, uh, and he has fragile X chromosome disorder. And he had a lot, a lot of challenges. And one of them, he, he couldn't learn to read. He didn't, he was not able. He learned eventually, but he wasn't able to learn to read and write. And, and 
the mother was sitting with a laptop and she had some program where you had to, to read. And I didn't even see the screen. I just walked in, you know, to go, to go into my office to start working. And she was waiting in the waiting room. And, and I heard her, you know, trying to take him through whatever the program was moving. I said, two things. If you can control this program, slow it way, way down. You're going way too fast and make the letters much bigger. And within five minutes, he was able to do it. You know, it's just how the brain works. Next. We have more comments and questions. Okay. Uh, Catherine Lee from Richmond, <laughs> British Columbia. Hello. Hi. Uh, looking forward to seeing how I can better apply the nine essentials to helping my students learn and practice the piano. Oh, my God. There's so much you can do. What's the name, Catherine? Catherine. Yeah. Catherine. I worked, I worked with Leon Fleischer, Seiji Sawa, San Francisco Symphony, all those people. You can start right away. When, for example, I, I, don't, well, I don't know the age, but it doesn't matter the age, but it's really great to start doing it when they're young. When, you know, when they're, you're going to, they're going to put their hands on the piano, get them, you know, for, get them to feel the movement and feel this. Just take time. It would look like a horrible waste of time because they're not going to start doing music right away. But you have them feel first. The contact with the, uh, how do you call it, the thing you press on the piano? The key. The key. Thank you. The key. And then have them do it a little. And, of course, that slows the toy. But the feeling of the movement and then, you know, have them feel it maybe with their elbow. That's another essential, but we'll talk about it later. Have them do it from different directions. Then have them play something really, whatever their level is, and have them play it. And then slow it down. Have them do it differently. Have them do it very, you, you, you understand, and very slow, and especially areas where they have difficulty, whichever one. Have them play the phrase or, or whatever section really, really, really slow and feel and listen to the music and listen to the, the sound, to the, to the music, so they experience the music. And then have them do it badly. Uh, anyway, you can use every movement with attention. You move all the time when you play and slow, slow, faster. Have them do it perhaps as fa fast to the point where the movement jams. Say, don't go there. Let's go back. That's a good and, idea. you know, as a musician myself, it's fine. It's wonderful. But <laughs> yeah. I actually, you know, I currently play in a symphony orchestra and there's some pieces that I find I really have to practice a lot in order to be able to play them in the orchestra. And what I'm very aware of is if I can't play them slowly, then I definitely can't play them at the right pace. But even if I've only practiced them slowly, just knowing the music that well means that in the moment, I mean, it doesn't matter if you miss the occasional note here or there, you're with the mu music, you're playing the music. Now, ultimately, by going backwards and forwards, I can get to play it so it's, it's, it's pristine. It's what it's meant to sound like. But really, without that slow practice, you know, and I, I have to still train myself. It's like, no, I know I've got a rehearsal tomorrow. Doesn't matter if I play at the right pace now. If I just practice it slowly now, I know that I'll play it better even tomorrow and certainly the next week. So. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's how the system is built. 
fast, we can only do what we already know. So if we want to be able to know something or to do it well, we have to do it the way we're built to do it, slow. We start with slow. Hopefully it's helpful. And then, Catherine, as we get more essentials, there'll be just so many things to say about music. So just send us reminders to talk about it. Question from Renato. How in our fast-paced contemporary life can we slow down, especially when the conditions are not there, such as when you're on a session with a professional who is helping us? Ah, can you... Maybe, Renato, if you could... Tell us, like, what professional is helping you with what? That would be really helpful. Uh, We'll come back to you. Just just please uh, send, send some more information if you can and if it's okay for you. As a message from Esther, one of our mothers at the center, she says, I found that slowing down also allows to give space for the child to respond and for us to notice their response. Absolutely. In a sense, I talked about it just earlier, Esther. Slow is such a loving thing to do with another person. Give them the time. Give them the space. You notice what's going on. In them and in you. I mean, slow is this wonderful opening, rich resources for the brain to start getting creative and go here and go there and say, well, how about this? How about that? Because fast, we can only go into the group with things that already exist there. Yeah. Did Renato come back? Um, Not yet, but we have other things to to talk about in the time uh, between then. Okay. Um, Question from Erica. Uh, How can I use slow to teach my low-tone toddler to walk? He can't yet stand unassisted. And she says can initiate steps, but I'm not sure if that's can in standing. But but how should I focus on what he can do now and get him to walk eventually without jumping to something he can't do? Well, you answered at least half of your question yourself. You can't make it... (laughs) You can't teach your child to walk. We don't teach people to walk. They have to go through a process where they can generate walking. It has to build to the place where they can do it. So the, and how can you not, you know, have him jump? Back off. Back off. Stop trying to, don't hold him and walk him or hold him behind and walk him or have grandma do it, or have the therapist do it. Just back off. And then see what he does. What does he do when you're not putting him standing and trying to get him to walk? Because, by the way, if he will learn to walk, which he might by you doing it, the quality of his walking will be really, really less than you would have liked for a lifetime. So... If he likes to roll, if he likes to, let's say he likes a certain toy, but he's not going to walk to that toy. You can bring slow where you find opportunities. And sometimes the kids themselves are fast. They they don't have control or they're used, they've been trained to to try and do things fast. You You can take the toy as I said, wait a minute. A little slower, and then a little faster, a little slower. Oh, you you can you start moving him slow. 
you can narrate when you narrate their experience or your experience it slows everything down so you can i don't know you put on a shirt it, this, putting on a shirt and saying slowly lifting their arm saying oh can you feel the oh that's the sleeve it's touching now let's go here let's go there i don't know how old your child is it doesn't seem to have any relationship to walking let me tell you where the intimate relationship to walking is between bringing slow anywhere that you can to where your child is right now and in this case walking you are helping the child you helping the brains of the brain of the child to upgrade itself to start operating at a higher level and that and get connections that some of which will then be relevant to standing and walking but the mere potency of the brain to learn and to create more proper tonus to the muscles is what will get your child to walk not the practicing of walking typically developing children that grow with families that have more than one or two children usually are not trained to walk and they all get up and walk how do they do that that's the process you want to hook yourself into and you do that but by bringing slow anywhere you find opportunities that will facilitate for your child to notice what's going on big time and to be able to feel and figure out stuff feel stuff you slow down that's how you do it you back off from trying to make things connect to walking that's what we do at our when we do our work and we get we don't get kids to walk kids get to walk yeah um comment from anna maria who's the question you answered about you know the obvious next step they're not being a next you know an obvious next step he says yes this thought experiment is exactly what i was looking for thank you Oh, I'm so happy because I guess a little bit what's going on <laughs> behind your questions and I'm very happy if I guess. And Kavita, yes. also the, the lady from the UK who was talking about her son tracking the bubbles, she said, absolutely right, you can now do it faster and it also helps him move his head side to side. It took many months of patience as unless I remained super slow at the start, he would disappear. Smart boy. You get the feedback from the nervous system. <clears throat> the child stops engaging, you back off. You see if you slow down or you move into the tension. They pay. If not, you, you shift or you just let go for a while. You come back to it again. Those of you, you know, even little kids at home, you have them all the time. You're not going to do, you're not training them 24-7. You're interacting with them. It's a quality of interaction. Yes. Uh, Erica, whose question you just answered about the weeping, and yes. um, she says, so helpful, thank you, in capital letters. Thank and you, I'm glad. Catherine, the, uh, the piano teacher, uh, says, yes, thank you for your suggestions. Haha, <laughs> we often tell students to practice slowly. It's not something the students like to do, but thank you for your research insight, because now I can tell my students that it's what the brain needs. <laughs> from your essentials i've also learned why practicing with variations works so true and so thank you for helping me understand why those practice techniques work i look forward to applying and thinking of more ways of using your essentials in my teaching 
That's just so awesome. wonderful. Awesome. And the gentleman, Renato, uh, who's, you sort of said uh, he was asking about in a professional setting how to slow, to slow down. He said he actually wants tips on how to manage himself without anyone directing. But then he also said Feldenkrais, so I guess he's been having Feldenkrais lessons. So I don't understand the question. So he wants a, he wants tips on how to manage himself to slow down without anybody just like sitting there on top of him. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, you might want to put post-its on your computer and on your fridge and say, remember me, I'm slow. Please, please remember me. Please, uh, please dance with me. Please uh, play with me. You know, you can... You can be funny. You can create the, I don't know, send yourself reminders. Have you done, have you, have you done slow today? <laughs> but I think maybe, and by the way, that can help, but I think maybe for at least many people, the difficulty to slow, to slow down, it's something that you train yourself. So for me, okay, let me just say it differently. Uh, the, the very often we speed up when we are anxious, when behind, underneath, not behind, but the, you know, the, the hidden under what's going on is a feeling it's not going to work out, or I don't really know how to do it. You know, when I teach movement classes, I can see a student all of a sudden, all of a sudden speeding up when they have a difficulty, or or even unconsciously feel it's going to be difficult to do. And that's something you train yourself. In the beginning, you catch yourself after the fact, and then you sort of unpack the last 60 seconds or, or three minutes. And by the way, that's also true with the child. All of a sudden, you start going faster with the child and so on. So sometimes you go fast. Sometimes you don't have time. You're going to go fast. You tell the child, we're going to go fast, and you just go fast. But sometimes you could have gone slow. Or you can do it in relationships when all of a sudden there's an argument, there's an anxiety between two people, and all of a sudden the interaction gets faster and faster. That's the degradation at that moment of the quality of the functioning of the brain. That's how people get into fights and wars that were totally unnecessary. So, and, and it's how the, I don't have time to go into the whole brain part of it. So if you look back and say, I'm anxious, and then you can say, when I'm anxious, and then, you know, you say, I'm anxious. Sometimes even you talk to yourself, you talk to your teacher. But also, I, you know, sometimes I try very often. I don't, I don't go back because it doesn't work too well for me. But certain classes, certain movements like Zumba or, you know, I tried Zumba. <laughs> anyway, and they go hugely loud, which by itself is horrendous. So I can, I do ear things, uh, plugs. But they go everything fast, everything fast. So what I do... And of course, I look around and I see that people barely can follow many people and they're going to hurt themselves. So I go to think like, oh, we're going to have more you know, work to do with people. That's great. Anyway, but the thing is that I talk to the teacher before and I say, I, will it, I would like to do your class. I'm not going to, sometimes I'm not going to follow your instructions. I'm going to go slower. I'm going to take breaks. I'm going to take care of myself. Is that okay with you? And I've not had a teacher that said no. And very often, those that are kind of more observant, they start watching me and they start pacing more to me 
and take the whole class that way. Zumba didn't work that way. <laughs> but he died of a heart attack. <gasps> Very soon after. <laughs> so, oh. I proved my point. Anyway. <laughs> Awful. That Moving back to topic. Anyway. Yes. Um, <laughs> Ashley has a question. She says, we saw incredible results during our daughter Piper's sessions with moving slow in combination with the narration and variation. I'm wondering, when we're implementing that at home, should we be focusing on other areas than just slowing her down to feel her right side? That's the side that is um, tense from mild CP. Well, first of all, I want to correct you right away. If I were going to have her feel more on one side where she moves, I would start and continue with a side that's not affected. You see, we didn't do the side that's affected first. We did the side that's not affected. There's no research they discovered in stroke that if you start with the healthy side, then working with the other side is much more effective. We've been doing this forever. Because you want to train the brain to be good, better at doing it. You're not training the arm. It's over and over and over again. And don't worry. It's, it's the challenge of everyone. Everybody flops back into, drops back into the mechanical model. We're not getting the arm. We're getting the brain. And if we want the brain to be better at feeling... Where do we go first for the brain to feel? Where it's easy for the brain to feel? Where is it easier for the brain to feel? In the part that's not affected. When the brain feels more acutely and develops its ability, the potency, the brain's a question of potency. It's not, it's, it's different. It's an information system. So when the brain can feel the potency of its ability to do it, guess then you can do very little, very short sections. The longer on the, the side that's not affected, shorter on the side that's affected, but that potency translates to the other side. Take your eyes off the goal. Keep your eyes on the ball, as they say. Keep, keep your eye on the ball. Take your eye off the prize. Okay. Take your eyes off the ball and off the prize. <laughs> <laughs> Do both. You know, that's one of the essentials. We'll get to it. But and observe yourself against anxiety. We want to fix that arms. And of course you want to. I mean, you want your child to function. But that is why this work is actually a, a training in self-evolution, upgrading, enlightening oneself. And you don't enlighten by going away from society and sitting on the top of a mountain for 20 years, but you enlighten yourself when you see an arm that's not working, you say, but I will work first with the other side because I want that brain to get to be a better brain. And as you do it and you get the outcomes, you won't be able to do it in other ways because you will be connecting to the system and you will know what works and it will become second nature. So thank you for asking the question. Well, guys... Thank you. Remember, practice slow. I'm going to ask you, we, we're going to remember next time, in two weeks, if you practice slow, movement with attention, my, my, the mother of all essentials, okay? So keep doing that and slow. I love you guys. Have a fantastic two weeks, and we'll meet again next, uh, next uh, podcast. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Neuro Movement Revolution with Anab Benyel. 
You will find all of our podcasts and additional resources on our website at www.anatbanielmethod.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We look forward to seeing you online for our next Neuro Movement Revolution.